Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, it's so good to see you guys. It's good to be back. Um, hey, school has begun for some, and all the parents said amen. Uh, man, I am thankful for school. And here, here's what's happening right now. And maybe you're being intentional about it, or maybe you're not being intentional about it, but here is what's happening in your life. You are developing a rhythm that will be your normal for this year. That's what's going on. You are developing a rhythm right now. The things that are going to be how you do what you do and when you do what you do is being sewn into you. And you are building a rhythm that will be your normal for these next few months. So let me encourage you that as you are building that rhythm, that you make sure that life group is a part of your rhythm. Life group is when we get together, we hang out together, we get in living rooms, and what's happening here on a Sunday really begins to take root on and in us Monday through Saturday. We want you to be involved with a group of people where you can be encouraged, where you can read the Bible together, where you can be supported, because when those things are happening, when you're involved in community, we are stronger together. We are made to walk with one another. And so, look, you need it. You need a community. Your kids need it, okay? Your family needs it. And I know that it can be challenging and complex in schedules. I mean, my gosh, you should have seen the text thread of my life group trying to figure out when we were going to meet. You know what I'm saying? It is bananas, but it is a worthy fight, all right, because we need to make sure that as we are getting into the flow of what will be our normal for the next couple of months, that life group is right in the middle of it. Amen? All right, now I got a big announcement to make. Huge. Red Bull excited. So many of you have been praying with us and for us that we would find, and this was one of our big kind of breakthrough points as we leaned into our prayer and fast uh, that happened last week. And I just want to thank each and every one of you for being a part of that. It was amazing. I know God did some stuff in me, and I know that he did some stuff in you. And, and one of the things that we were really highlighting and was one of my bucket list breakthrough things that I was believing for was that we would find a new location for our North Campus. Now, look, I know that some of you and some of you who are watching online don't even know this because we haven't met uh, in, in the north for like over a year, okay? But I, I am here to tell you that we are one church that has many rooms, that we believe that God has called us to be a church that has an expression of heaven accessible to everyone in our city. And so what that means is that we want to be one house that has rooms all over the city so that they can be houses for a Sunday experience and birthplaces for all of the ministries that we do around here and life groups to be growing and moving and multiplying through in those places. That, that, that will be happening not just in one location, but in locations all over the city. We believe that that's the vision that God has given us, and we know that he is going to make it happen. But COVID blew our two campuses up. Our North Campus could no longer meet because it was meeting in a school, and AISD said, uh-uh-uh, okay? And so we had kind of been in a holding pattern and being like, God, what are you doing? Well, you got to open up a door, and we were just felt like we just kept running into brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. But I'm here to tell you we have a space. It is happening. 
It's going to be amazing. We're going to be meeting at Joe Lee Elementary School. It's in Round Rock. It is beautiful. It is awesome. And so if you are watching online, we know hundreds of you do all over in the north because you don't want to drive all the way down here. Your wait is almost done, okay? Uh, it is going to be happening. And, and so what you need to be looking for is that now is the time we're going to be building a launch team, a serve team, a, a connect team to make that experience happen, okay? Because we're going to have to be mobile, uh, hostile, and effective, all right, uh, as we're going to be meeting in a elementary school. And so I want you to be looking for your opportunity to help us launch that, okay? Even if you're like, man, the South Campus is my home. Awesome. Maybe for a season, you could help us strengthen what is going to be that North Campus, Right, because we're in this together. We're one house that has two rooms. We're, we're, we're not separate. We are together. So you guys excited about that North Campus? It is, is, is going to be happening. Okay, so today we are starting a new series of talks that I'm super pumped about. Now, I know some of you guys are like, man, this guy's just overly excited, and he just always says he's excited. But the truth is, is that that is true. But... I am actually excited about this because here is what I know. Can I tell you one thing that I know to be true? Here is what I know, that the gospel of Jesus, and when we say that, what we're saying is the story of who God is and what he did for us and in us. When the gospel of Jesus is alive in you and moving through you, it is what our city needs. Can I say that again? The gospel of Jesus being alive in you and moving through you is what our city needs. It's what I need. It's what you need. It's what our families need. It's what our roommates need. It's what our coworkers need. It's what our schools need. The gospel of Jesus being alive in you and moving through you is what our city needs. It is the gospel alone that brings transformation in our lives. And transformed lives lead to transformed families. And transformed families leads to a transformed city. Hear me, in the simplest terms that I can put it, we exist as a church in the city of Austin to see heaven change the city of Austin. That is why we are here. That is why we gather. That is why we do life group is because we exist to see heaven change our city. We're not here to survive what's happening here. We're not here just to make it through. We are here to influence everything that happens in and will come from the city of Austin. That is why we are here. And so my goal over the next couple of weeks is that we would all get a deeper understanding of how that big vision can come alive in each and every one of us. Because it can be exciting to hear about what could be. But we just don't want to be excited about what could be. We want to live in what God is doing right now. Now, now here's the deal. I, I, I decided a long time ago that I wanted to be effective more than original. 
Some of you need to, to take that in a little bit. Okay? Maybe the world doesn't need your view on something. You just need to grab on a good view of something. Okay? I, I decided... A long time ago, I wanted to be effective over original. And what that means for me is that if I stumble on something that works, I'm going to steal it. Because I'm into things that work versus me trying to like package it and make it new and be like, oh, I'm so original. No, it's like, man, if I found this thing and I was like, this is absolutely perfect to help us understand how this big vision of seeing heaven invade and influence our city actually can begin to happen in us and therefore through us. And so I said, man, I'm going to start using this. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, this isn't just good for you, bro. This is good for all of us. And so I stumbled across this model. It's simple. And it, it just helps me frame. And I believe it's going to help us actually know how this vision of seeing heaven change and influence our city actually can begin to happen in each and every one of our lives. And this is simple. We exist to bless everyone. Can everybody say bless? We exist to bless everyone. So what does bless mean? Bless means that we need to begin to pray for people. We need to listen to their story. We need to encourage them. We need to serve them. And we need to share Jesus with them. And, and, and this is why this has been so helpful for me. And really trying to tackle, what does it mean for me to be someone who blesses those who are around me? Here's the deal. As a general rule, we, we have made this idea of evangelism something that we do versus how we live. Grab this. We have made evangelism as a general rule something that we do versus how we live. And, and this is where I believe the invitation for us is today, is that we learn a new rhythm of what it looks like for us to be a people who live on mission, that we live missionally to see that God has put us where he's put us on purpose, that he placed you in your neighborhood on purpose, that he put you in your office on purpose, that he put you in the classroom that you're in on purpose, and that purpose is that you are to bless those who are around you. We are simply here to see heaven invade earth. And how that happens is we allow the gospel to change us and then the gospel to live through us. And the big how that happens is we begin to pray for those around us, that we listen to their stories, we encourage them, we serve them, and then we begin to share with them. Are you with me? And some of you have heard this story, but in the summer of 2000, I met my beautiful wife actually at a wedding here in Austin. And, and for me, it was love at first sight. For her, it was not. Okay, I just want to shoot straight with you. Look at her. She is beautiful. Okay, I'm out of my league. Okay, there is no, there is no reason why I should be with this woman. She is, I mean, smart 
gorgeous, supermodel, just amazing, okay? And then there's me, good personality guy, you know. <laughs> and so I, I, like after knowing Liz for, for a couple of months and doing everything that I could to try to convince her that, that I was not just a, a, a good friend, but that I could be more. Okay, things were not going well. So I thought, you know what I need to do? I need a big, like, I need a wow moment. You know, where it's just kind of that moment where she looks at me and it's like she's never seen me before. You know, like in the movies, it's like, you know, that, 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 that girl looks at that dude and, and then all of a sudden she's like, oh, he's been here all along. That, I, like, I needed that, right? I, I needed it. And, and so I was like, how am I going to do this? So her birthday was coming up. And I thought, okay, man, I'm, I am going to, I'm going to take her on the most extravagant, most amazing birthday celebration date in the history of humanity. And so I started doing research. And look, I'm poor, okay? I'm poor college student, but I'm saving my pennies. And I'm, do, I'm asking all my friends, like, man, where's a cool place that we could go? And so everybody's like, oh, man, you got to go eat at this restaurant in Salado. We were living, we were Baylor students at the time at Waco. He's like, you, do, you need to go to this restaurant in Salado. It's amazing. It's so romantic. It's all, it's perfect. I'm like, okay, this is great, man. We'll have a nice little drive down. We'll have some good conversation. We'll go to this great restaurant. You know, she's going to look at me and be like, wow, let's make out. You know, I had to... The whole, the whole plan, you know? And so I find out, like literally like an hour before I'm supposed to pick her up, that one of my good friends had taken her out on a lunch date for her birthday. Okay, now this guy is everything that I am not. He is a literal supermodel, like lives in New York today and is a model. I'm talking about gorgeous, you know what I mean? Like beautiful hair, beautiful eyes, always tan, even in the winter, you know? Perfect facial hair, you know, six foot four, just like gorgeous. And he's like spontaneous and fun and just amazing. And I'm like boring planning, you know, I don't do spontaneous, you know what I'm saying? I like planned spontaneity. You know, like, hey, you want to do something cool? All right, let's plan it. <laughs> All right? And, and so I find out, I'm like, dude, I have no chance against this man. Like, no chance at all. So I'm a little bit discouraged, but at the same time, I'm competitive, right? So I'm like, okay, he, I'm going to bring it. Amen. All right? I'm going to bring it. And so I pick her up. Everything is going great. You know, we're having fun. But it's that awkward, man. We're just getting to know each other. You know, so it's that awkward conversation in the truck where you, it's like kind of, you know, and I had a 1987 Nissan pickup with no air conditioning, okay? And so, and it's hot. It's Texas, and even though it's December, it's hot. And, and so we're having to drive down to Salado with the windows down. It's hard to have a good conversation on the highway with the windows down, you know what I'm saying? And uh, mind you, like my buddy had picked her up like in a BMW that morning because, he's you know, he's got everything, and I have nothing. And so we finally get there. I am so nervous, and I'm feeling all the pressure that, man, I got to pull this thing out. Like, I got to pull this thing out. Like, this is not started strong. And so I sit down. We order our food. It comes. I'm so nervous. I don't even talk. I just eat. Okay? I clear my entire plate, and I look up, and Liz is still cutting her food. You want to talk about awkward? When you're sitting there with no plate in front of you 
and the person you're having dinner with is like nibbling on their quesadillas, okay? Like it, I, I, internally, I am like dying inside. Like every, like every, whore, I mean, I'm like, this could not be going worse, right? And I need this to be going great. And so we're leaving the restaurant and it was so awkward and we were not having good conversation. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And then it hits me. You got to be spontaneous, bro. And I'm like, I don't do spontaneous. You know, I'm having like that conversation inside. And it's just like, you got to be spontaneous. She likes spontaneous, dude. You got to do something crazy. And so I look at her and I'm like, hey, you want to go clubbing in Austin? Look, I had never been clubbing in my life. Like I had not, I didn't do that. That wasn't my scene, okay? And I had never really gone to Austin before. I especially not gone to Austin to go clubbing. Okay, all I know is that things get wild on 6th Street. So I'm thinking, we'll make our way to 6th Street. We'll find some place. And it'll, it, the, this night who's been going tragic, we're going to have so much fun clubbing. Because, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, clubbing will be fun. And, you know, because I listened to my brother who was a heathen at the time. <laughs> all right. And he used to go clubbing. He's like, oh, dog, it's amazing. But I, I have no idea what we're getting into. So we get to 6th Street, right, and I, we don't know anything. And we're walking around. And you know how there's like... There's levels to the shadiness of 6th Street. You know, like you get the closer you are to I-35, the sketchier it is, the further you get away, it gets a little bit more classy. We, we ended up close to the highway, all right? Because we saw 6th Street exit park and we start walking down and, and we're, we're sitting, I'm, I'm just like, what is happening here? What is going on? I'm, I'm feeling nervous. I am out of my comfort zone. And then like a beacon of light, I see something I recognize. Right above us, it says Club Roxy. And I'm like, oh, my brother goes to Club Roxy. This is going to be a great place, right? Now, I should have been tipped off at the door. I should, I, I should, but I'm trying to be spontaneous. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to rescue this date because I'm trying to have a wow factor where she looks at me and she's like, I don't need no supermodel. I'll take you slightly overweight, short dude with no hair. <laughs> And so, like, we, we get into Club Roxy. This is the shadiest place I've ever been in my entire life. This, like, the kind of joint where you need a shower after you were in there because it's just the atmosphere is, is, is dirty. You know what I mean? And we get in there, and we're, I'm like, what do you even do, you know? And so we get on the dance floor, and we're, like, trying to dance. I kid you not, 90 seconds, 90 seconds into the first song, I look at Liz. I'm like, hey, you want to get out of here? She's like, yeah, we should probably get out of here. Then we leave the club after clubbing for 90 seconds and drive from Austin to Waco, never to mention it ever again. Okay, that entire date was so awkward, it hurt. It like physically hurt my body. The awkwardness was so palpable. It was like a wet blanket that had been just draped over my head. And I'm walking around going, just let it in, God, let it in. (laughs) Here's why I tell you that story. Because most of us do not live a missional life because we have had an experience or heard of moments that were so awkward, it physically hurts. This, 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 this it's just like, you, you st- you're like, I don't want to step into another club ever again. If this is what clubbing feels like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And we think if this is what missionally feels like, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. 
This idea of living missionally is something that, that we don't even think about, that we want to even experience because you're just like, oh, dude, I, don't, I, I tried it one time and it was painful. So there's no way I'm doing it right or there's no way that this is, I'm like made for this because I, I just want to run the other way. You talk about living missionally, my skin begins to crawl. Just like if you were like, yo, do you want to go clubbing? I'd be like, no. Because I don't want to feel that awkward feeling that physically hurt. But here's the thing. When we don't live missionally, we miss what it means to really know Jesus. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus himself defines for us what it means to live a life of faith. And he said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. It's built into who we are as followers of Jesus to love God with all of who we are and then to turn and then love our neighbor as ourselves. We cannot do one well and not do the other. So how do we do that and it not feel like we're walking into Club Roxy at age 19 with a girl you're trying to impress and it's going terribly wrong? It starts by us living missionally versus thinking we need to do evangelism. This is a big shift. It starts by us living missionally versus feeling like we need to do evangelism. We need to start to live with a mission versus thinking that evangelism needs to be added to how I'm living. And living on mission is simple. It's not awkward. It's not complex. Because when we begin to live understanding that God has put around us people on purpose for us to bless to begin to pray for, to listen to their stories, to encourage them, to serve them, and to share Jesus with them. Hear me, I think we miss the power of living on mission because we start from the bottom and not the top. We start by sharing, but we don't know their story. But listen to this. First Timothy, verse two, or sorry, verse Timothy, chapter two, verse four, who, speaking of God, wants all people to be saved, all people to be saved and come to a saving knowledge of the truth. God's heart for those around you is bigger than your heart for those around you. So don't you think that we should engage him about them? before we engage them about him. You hearing what I'm saying? God's heart for those around you is bigger than yours. Now, Jesus throughout his ministry would often tell stories to help us understand what the kingdom of heaven was really like. And this is what he's doing in Matthew 13, verse three. And Jesus is leaning into a story that shows us the process 
of a human heart to receive the story of salvation. And, and this is what he said. He said, a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came up and ate it. And some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil and it sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced the crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Now I want us to fast forward to verse 18 because Jesus begins to break down what this means. He says this, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one come and snatches it away what has been sown in their heart. This is the seed that's sown along the path. The seed that falls on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they don't have any root, they only last for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And the seed that falls among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth chokes the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed that falls on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred and sixty and thirty times what is sown. Look, I have read this passage for years through the lens of I need to be a sower. That as a follower of Jesus, I need to be a seed thrower, understanding that not all that will hear the message will receive it, but those hearts who are ready will. And hear me, that is 100% true. We are sowers of the gospel. We are seed spreaders in all that we do. But, but I've started to see that this is not just an invitation for us to be those who sow, but it is also an invitation for us to be those who prepare the soil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're not just to be seed sowers. We're, we're, we're to be ground preparers. Because look, good soil only becomes good soil when it's been cultivated. Good soil becomes good soil when it's been worked, it's been tilled, the rocks have been removed, the hard ground has been broken up. What has been lacking in that dirt, it begins to receive it. And then all of a sudden, a place that could not grow anything can begin to grow everything because the soil had been cultivated. I believe that the invitation in this parable is Jesus is telling us how we're to be those who see the kingdom of heaven advance so that heaven begins to influence our city is that we are to be seed sowers, but we're also to be ground preparers. That we need to prepare the soil so that if we are around people whose hearts are hard, 
We don't abandon them, but we begin to pray for them. Are you hearing me? We get to engage with the heart of God in seeing the soul, the soil of the souls of those that he has put around us to be cultivated from being a path or a thorny, shallow place into being a place that can bear fruit 30 times. There are two things that happen when we begin to pray. It moves us and God hears us. When we begin to pray, when we begin to engage with the heart of God, it moves us and God hears us. 1 John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 1 Peter 3, 12 says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. Look, here's the deal. In the mystery of God, when we call on his name, God hears us. And as we pray for those around us, our hearts will be lined up with his heart for them. This is why all over the Bible, God admonishes us to pray for our enemies. Because when we begin to pray for those who are out to harm us, wrong us, or are doing things that are unfair towards us, when we begin to pray for them, we begin to see what God is doing more than what they are doing that's driving us crazy. Because when we pray, it moves us and God hears us. And it's impossible for you to consistently pray for something or someone and not the heart of God move you into alignment into what he is doing in his big plan for that situation. Because when we pray, it moves us and God hears us. Now, look, this story, some of you guys have heard this. My brother, Jake, I, I, love, I love him so much. He's two years younger than me. And, and, and Jake just... We, we grew up in the same house, had the same rad parents, but Jake just had wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And I, I go away to college, man, and God just gets my heart, man. Not just begins to change me, but begins to align my heart with being someone who wants to live on mission. Not just to live my life, but to see what God is doing in my life begin to do in other people's lives around me. And I just get burdened for my brother. And I'm like, man. And so I would get in conversations with him, and I would just be like, Yo, dude, what's up? Hey, you good? Hey, man, Jesus. <laughs> and, and our conversations would go from like fun to furious in like five seconds as Jake would be like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't want to have anything to do with your God. Quit talking to me about it. And be like, no, dog, Jesus. And he's like, man, you better shut up. I don't even want to talk to you anymore. And so I'm just like, man, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm trying to be a sower of the gospel. And Jesus, you're the one that like, you're, what, what am I supposed to do? My brother has a hard heart. He's like the, the, the path. And, and then I was just like reading my Bible and I come across Ezekiel 36 verse 26. And it says this, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you and I will remove from your heart the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to stop trying to force 
Jesus on my brother. And I'm going to start praying for my brother. I'm going to start praying for him every single day. And look, when I was praying for him, what was happening in the spirit was God was, was moving in his, in, in his heart. And all of, all of that pain and all those, those rocky places and, and, and all that hard stuff that had, had gotten into his life. As I just was praying, I didn't even know. I was just saying, God, would you just give it? Would you take that heart of stone and would you make it a heart of flesh? And, and, and what happens when we pray? God hears us and, and he begins to move us. And so all of a sudden now, I, I'm not so much concerned with how my brother is treating me. I'm saying, God, you got to move on him because it's not about me having the words to say. It's about this, this soil getting to gone from bad soil to good soil. Hear me. We don't just have to stand by and let bad soil just be bad soil. We can get in there with our prayers and say, hey, Lord, would you turn this hard place into a soft place? And man, I'll never forget. I just was praying for my brother. I was praying for him every day. God, would you touch him? Would you move on his heart? God, it's, it's, you've got you've to do it. You've got to do it. And look, man, my whole experience, right, was just being someone who'd be like, hey, Jake. Hey, Jake. And then one morning he calls me, he's in tears. And he's like, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. What am I supposed to do? I'm like, bro, we haven't even talked in months. But it went from this to this. Because that, the, that prayer was turning those rocky places into, into, into soft places. And that, that prayer was, was, was taking the lies that the enemy had been speaking to him. And, and, and the truth of who God was was getting louder. And that rocky place, that, that hard place was transformed into a soft place. It went from hard soil to good soil because we're not just seed throwers. We're ground preparers. We, 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 we got to be a people. We got to be a church. This is what I'm, I'm not just going to share with my neighbors. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them every day. I'm not just going to share with my coworkers. I'm going to pray for my coworkers every single day. I'm not just going to share with my classmates. I'm going to pray for them every single day. Day because my invitation from heaven is that not it doesn't stop at just being a seed sower. That the invitation is for me to be a ground preparer, someone who begins to pray and says, God, you've got to move in this, this hard path, you've got to turn it into good soil. The parable of the sower is not just an invitation for us to be people who share, it's an invitation for us to be a people who pray. And if we want to bless everyone, it all starts with us beginning to pray for those around us. God put you where he put you on purpose so that you can begin to pray for those who are around you. And as you pray for them, that soil is going to get cultivated. 
And God's going to do what only he can do, which is to turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And then there's going to be that moment where that seed goes from bouncing along the path to sinking into good soil. Because when we pray, two things happen. It moves us and God hears us. And look, I've learned a long time ago that my intentions don't matter unless I have a plan. And something that's been huge for me is I've been using this thing called the Bless Every Home app. And all it is is it's really simple. I just put my address in there, and then it shows me a map of my neighborhood, and I can adopt houses to pray for. And every morning it reminds me, hey, you're going to pray for these five houses today. And so what it has done, it's put in the rhythm of my life to be one who begins to pray for those who are around me. Because look, I don't just wanna try to remember my neighbor's name. I wanna be someone who is engaging with the heart of God to, to turn the soil of their soul into good soil so that the seed of the gospel, when we share with them, falls on a good place and begins to bear fruit in their life and begins to bear fruit in their family's life and then begins to bear fruit where they work and where they go to school because a changed life leads to a changed family and a changed family leads to a changed city. But it all starts when we begin to pray. So this is how we're going to respond today. Everybody just stand to your feet with me. This is how we're going to respond today. I want you to begin to pray right now. God, who do I need to be, begin to pray for? Maybe you need to go to the Bless Every Home app. Put your address and begin to pray for your neighbors. Maybe God burdens you to pray for the people that you work with. Maybe God burdens you to pray for the people you go to school with. Here's what I know. If we all begin to pray, there is nothing that God cannot do in our city. Again, we exist not just to survive here, but to see heaven influence everything that is happening here. And so we have to, church, we have to be a people that are saying, we're gonna bless everybody. We're gonna begin to pray for them. We're gonna listen to their story. We're gonna encourage them. We're gonna serve them and we're gonna share with them. But if we gotta pray, so here, some of you have heard about this. We have this commitment that we made in in the month of May that we said, we're, we're, we're gonna all have a two for 52. And what that is, is very simple. It's just, as if you call this church home, you're saying that two weeks out of the 52 weeks of the year, I'm gonna invite, I'm gonna bring somebody with me to church. And I wanna encourage you that as God begins to burden your heart with your neighbors or your coworkers or your classmates, that you say, God, would you give me two names? Maybe you get five names, but here's the deal. If we each get two names, I think we can change the world. We get two names and you begin to pray for those people every single day. Because look, I've been doing this to my neighbors. You know what's been happening? All of a sudden they're coming up to me being like, hey, can you baptize my kids? I'm like, what? We gotta rewind that a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, but, but God begins to open up doors that were closed before because when we pray, it moves us and God hears us. And so I wanna say, let's be those who get our two for 52 and let's begin to pray for them every single 
today and expect that when we pray, God hears us and God is going to move us and the soil of those around us is gonna be transformed from maybe being a rocky place to being a soft, good place. So as we worship, that's how you're gonna respond. God, who is my two for 52? Who am I gonna begin to pray for? Because we wanna bless everybody. Come on, let's sing together.